1: you have one shot at this right and you want to come across as the more rational calm stable parent who is truly only looking out for the children's best interest and that's so easy to say as I sit here right so meet with your lawyer role play do as much as you can to prepare for these meetings so that you do come across that way.
0: Thus far in our High Conflict Divorce Series, we've spoken with legal, psychological, and child experts that are available to support you through the divorce. Today, we begin to share the expertise of those brought in to help determine custody and what's in the best interest of the child. These experts include attorneys that represent the child custody evaluators, parent coordinators, and experts on parental alienation and parallel parenting. We begin today with a robust program on legal representation for your child. I'm excited to be chatting with Beth McCormick. Beth practices exclusively in family law matters in Chicago with experience in complex litigation, as well as mediation and collaborative law. Beth also has extensive experience representing the children's best interest in contentious divorce proceedings. She believes strongly in the importance of attorneys working collaboratively to create the best outcome for their clients. She was named Most Influential Woman Lawyer by Crane Chicago Media, along with nominations and awards over the years for Leading Lawyer, Best Lawyer, Super Lawyer. All of which speak to the heart and soul Beth brings to her practice. Beth, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Karen. You know, I know that there are a number of titles. I want to just jump right in. This, uh, this issue of attorney for the children or legal representation for the children, that there's a number of different titles depending on where in the country one lives um, or the age of the child. And so a good place to start would be what are uh, the various ways that a child in a divorce proceeding uh, can be legally represented?
1: Great question. And it's different in every jurisdiction. So it would be the terms that you'll often hear are GAL, is a guardian ad litem and that is a person appointed to look out for the best interest of the child. There's also sometimes an attorney for the child appointed and that person is just what it sounds like an attorney representing the child's wishes notwithstanding whether it's in their his or her best interest and then sometimes in Illinois we have kind of a blended role that's called child representative and in that role you're balancing the two The best interests of the child and the child's wishes want me to give some examples of how this plays out in real life
0: that was my next question yes
1: okay so uh often a gal is appointed for younger children who might not have a voice at all but need to have a voice and remember that's the looking out for the best interests of the child or children. We should say that um, often one person is appointed for all the children. Sometimes in extreme cases, that's um, there are different attorneys. Um, so that's something else. In practice, in Illinois, GALs are always attorneys. Um, in some jurisdictions, I understand this role is played by a mental health professional. But uh, in a teenage situation when as we know teenagers tend to have a strong voice as to what they want often we are asked when does a t- child have a say in what they want um that's jurisdiction to juris- jurisdiction in illinois um it depends right and you hear all the time in legal in the legal world it depends well for good reason because you can think of the 15 year old who knows what's in his best interest and. Um, it's well reasoned. It's well thought. It's not for their own uh, purposes, i.e., getting whatever they want from one parent. Mm-hmm. And there could be some twelve-year-olds who who get it. So it really depends. And thankfully, a court, a good court judge would be looking at the the whole family to determine which appointment is most appropriate. Uh, that blended role, I think, is a is a nice. In between, where you're balancing what the child is saying is in his or her best interest with what you think is in his or her best interest. So, in very extreme circumstances, you could have one or a child or children who not only have GALs but also attorneys. So, that's extreme, but um, in super high conflict cases, when A child has a really strong voice, often in cases of alienation, et cetera. A judge may ask to have two um, separate appointments so that he or she can get as much data as possible before them to make the the informed decision.
0: So the decision isn't, I'm hearing that the decision isn't necessarily the parents to make. So our listeners who might be going into this and know that they're going to need legal representation for the children, it's really going to depend on the age of their children, uh, the, the rules in that jurisdiction.
1: 100%. Uh, you would be guided by your attorney as to what you would be seeking. Usually, the lawyers have to ask the court for, make, to make one of these appointments. Sometimes courts do it on their own motion. But uh, you would want to strategize with your lawyer based upon the facts in your case which appointment makes the most sense based upon, and again, it's state to state as to what each of these
0: roles is. So I can't say, but um, it needs to be led by the attorney. So that's a great question. If you're listening is to just jot that down so that you can find out what what happens in your jurisdiction and what your attorney's thinking. Now, at what point, Beth, um, at what point in the legal process does someone like you come into play?
1: Typically, uh, once the court has determined that mediation or all attempts at any forms of ADR, alternative dispute resolution, failed, and the parties don't seem to have any ability to make decisions on their own, the court may ask for this appointment, which is often referred to as the eyes and the ears of the court. Judges rarely talk to children directly, at least in Illinois. So, um, but the judge also wants to know what the heck's going on out there in real life. Help me see what's going on. And so this person is doing a, an investigation so that the court can have a better handle on what's happening
0: without a full trial on every issue. So so mom has her perspective, dad has his perspective, or partners have their perspective. And then uh, you're the more neutral with the primary focus of just doing what's best for the children or what the children are asking for depending on the role.
1: Correct. It's always challenging when you're filling the role too because you use the word neutral and similar to a court we are neutral but boy are we going to advocate for our clients who are the children um, notwithstanding what your role is and That doesn't, it's not always going to feel neutral because at some point you're probably making calls against one or both of them. So there can be a lot of frustration by the parties in dealing with this role because as an advocate, you're calling it as you see it.
0: Right.
1: So a good one always keeps an open mind because as we know, uh, family dynamics shift, but you really have to be careful to call it a neutral
0: position because it doesn't always feel that way to the party. Right, and at the end of the day, if you're making a recommendation, it's probably not feeling very neutral at all. What is the first meeting with you? And uh, how does that process unfold?
1: So I just got an order appointing me this morning, so it's very fresh. Uh, usually one or both of the attorneys send me a copy of the court order where the judge appointed me and the underlying pleading that sought the appointment so that I have at least a basic understanding. I then scheduled a meeting with each lawyer, and then I asked for a meeting with both lawyers. We would call that a professional's meeting so that we can keep a high-level, hopefully, professional conversation. Of course, they're going to be advocates. That's okay but I um, will not really get into all the emotion hopefully about what each of the parties is thinking. And then I schedule a meeting with each parent separately. And then with uh, well-reasoned and, and um, in a process that goes well, I'm able to meet with them together and start problem solving. I try to do all of that prior to doing my full-blown investigation and meeting the kids because again, most people want to keep control and not have me or a judge make decisions for them. But once I determine that it's too high conflict, they're not able to reach that, those decisions on their own, which is, it's hefty, right? It's kind of like your last opportunity to have it done. Sometimes I look at it as, as being mediation with teeth because now you're kind of, you're giving up all your control to me and eventually the judge by having me meet with your kids and having me make that call. So it's a, this is my approach, but every GAL or child's rep is going to have a different approach. You need to follow the guidance given to you by your lawyers and that particular professional.
0: Right. So you, you meet with the attorneys, you meet with the parents, um, and, and let's go down that path of you don't come to a, a resolution. Uh, what um, before we move on? Any advice for our listeners when they first meet with a legal representative for their children?
1: Yes, I have so much to say. Yes. It's super important. This is where you get your pins out and really try to grasp this because you, um, like, when whenever you appear before a judge, you have one shot at this, right? And you want to come across as the more rational, calm, stable parent who is truly only looking out for the children's best interest. And that's so easy to say as I sit here, right? So meet with your lawyer, role play, do as much as you can to prepare for these meetings so that you do come across that way. It seems counterintuitive, but we are looking to understand your role in fostering the relationship with the other parent too. It is a divorce. We get that. But we're always trying to understand what positive things can you say about the other person? Because you procreated, you made this child. There's a really good um, opportunity here to look like a a thoughtful, better parent who is able to get out of your own way and your own emotions and realize that this person helped create these great children. So let's, uh, let's come up with something positive a good lawyer will prepare the client for that because it's a hard thing to do. They're in the middle of a very high conflict case and, they, and you want me to come up with something nice. Well, it's uh, something that listeners could be thinking about consistently because judges and um, any GAL, everyone looks to that because you look like the more stable parent, you know, even if um, the accusations are really bad in, in one particular area well, at one point, this was a good person. So try to find those positive
0: things to say. I think that's so important. And it really, that our message throughout all of our shows is we want to help you to be um, calm and level-headed and clear as opposed to reactive, which most people have been throughout their, the dysfunction of their marriage. And so uh, great, great tips. So they meet with you you're getting a flavor of that parent of their, um, of their balanced perspective, if there is one. And what is your main goal in meeting with each of the parents? Trying
1: to really just get a sense of um, who they are and uh, uh, just if they're uh, calm, their demeanor, you know, we're looking at everything from how they present physically emotionally, um, uh, as part of the preparation, I encourage clients who are meeting with GALs to put together uh, an outline. Some GALs will kind of let you take over and some will make it more of a question and answer. So you kind of have to prepare for the GAL who just wants you to tell your side of the story. So an outline kind of highlighting what's most important to you at the beginning and then work your way down. Offer to leave that outline with the GAL and then all back up data in support of whatever it is that you're trying to help us see. So if you have 20 emails, include those. If you have 843, think twice. <laughs> Meet with your lawyer, pare that down. Again, you're gonna come across as on a mission that doesn't always seem logical if you um overdo it and you have to find that sweet spot as hard as that is to hear at times believe me it's uh, it's important to come across as you know there's very few cases where we need to review 843 we get the point after a couple spread them out if, if you're seeing a pattern show us how it happened in the first three months and the last two months or something but the more um, prepared you are, the more you will come across as methodical and calm and uh, rational for
0: your children and and the other thing I hear you saying is it's ask yourself how important is it like if you're complaining about a, a clothing swap or something in the largest scope of things um, to to determine what are the the most important the most dramatic issues that you want to raise as opposed to every Small grievance,
1: exactly, and that's why that outline's helpful. You know, if you're doing, if you have a good lawyer and you're thoughtful, you'll go through that outline seven, ten times, and run it by a friend, by family. You know, which brings up another point. If I may digress, Karen, be super careful. I'm sure all your professionals tell your um, listeners this. Be super careful on who you listen to and in what context. I think family who loves you, friends who love you have good intentions. But in our world, the proverbial Greek chorus can make or break a case. And it's super important to listen to your counsel rather than your family in the legal strategy. Family will always second guess it, will always think they know better. But your lawyer knows the methodology and how to get you there. So please try to um, weight each of the advice that you're giving accordingly and and be a little more scrupulous as to what the people who love you most are telling you because they probably don't have the big picture. They only care about you. And a good lawyer doesn't love you. So they're going to look out for you more objectively and their advice is going to be the more reasoned advice. Be super careful on that because the GAL can see through that.
0: Yeah, that is so well said. And whether you have um, friends or family who've gone through it and had a GAL and they're going to tell you how it's going to be, it's not. It's all, each one is so unique. And the other piece of listening is if you're in a high conflict divorce and you're High conflict spouse is telling you how it's going to be, and that's triggering fear and reactivity that too. I always tell people, listen to your attorney, not, not your spouse, not your girlfriend, not your neighbor um, they're really you're investing good money, and they're your expert, and so I, I can't you know back that up enough yeah,
1: thank you think all coaches should consistently remind their clients of that. Because again, as a coach, your objective, you're you're trying to um, help them see it as a professional versus someone that you love.
0: the chaos of divorce begins with quieting your mind and getting clear on what you want and how to get it. That's why we created the Divorce Survival Kit. It's an easy to digest guide with five essential tips that help transform your suffering into valuable insights and your confusion into effective action. So go to DivorceRecoveryLifeline.com and grab your Divorce Survival Kit today. Both parents meet with you. How does the process unfold from there?
1: So once I've met with both of them, I have a sense, right? But again, a good GAL keeps an open mind all through the process because people change and facts change. So, um, but I have a good sense of people at the beginning. And then I continue to try to help them come together as I investigate consistently. So I have cases where as a GAL, it's important to know you are a witness for the court. So you're subject to cross-examination by both lawyers, at least in practice in Illinois. And as a child representative, you're acting as a lawyer. So you are cross-examining witnesses. So it's a very important distinction. So eventually, as a GAL, I would have to testify if I'm unable to help them settle. In my 29 years of doing this, I've testified twice. Wow. So a good GAL helps people pull it together. Right. But as you know, super high conflict couples, no matter how good the professionals are, they can't bring them together. So ultimately, it could be testimony from the GAL, but a good one is going to consistently bring the people together. Not a great uh, figure of speech, but we sometimes say bang their heads together and, and get this done. Because again, keeping them in control over their process and their outcome is the best way to help them roll up their sleeves and figure it out themselves rather than have a person in a black robe decide where their kids are going to sleep every night.
0: What happens in there? Can you just give a glimpse to our listeners of the kinds of shifts that you've seen parents take once you're involved that lead them to, you know, an agreed upon settlement?
1: Yeah, I'm showing them objectively where perhaps their potential pitfalls are. Um, I'm doing that separately. I'm not empowering the other side and doing it together initially. I'm starting by um, talking to them separately. But when I do get them together, I, again, try to objectively tell them both where I see concerns for their arguments and that they need to really keep the big picture or the the long game top of mind rather than winning every battle. So I... Uh, have a whole process where, and again, this is just my process um, where I, I think it's super important and any human wants to be heard. So if I have cases where the person really wants more time with me, I've spent you know six, seven hours with one side and the other side only needs an hour to two. Well, I'll tell them, you know I think that it's important to do what the person needs. And we talk through that and it doesn't always have to be balanced. And it doesn't always mean that the person who got seven hours is the person who's going to win or prevail. It's just, they need to be heard. You know, all too often, people want to tell you everything. Well, guess what? As the GAL, I don't really need to know all the horrible things that he or she did. That's not necessarily going to help me understand their parenting, right? Right. We're only looking out for what's in the child's best interest. So they may be the worst person, the worst spouse in the world, but they're not bad parents. So it always, you have to really kind of peel the onion and and try to understand what directly applies to his or her parenting ability. So really focus on that, no matter, you know, and if you could neutralize yourself as best you can to to show that... um, he was a really bad husband, but gosh, he really does think of the kids first. Mm-hmm. You're going to come across a lot more rational. You know, I have clients and friends even who still, after five, 10 years of being divorced, still talk about how bad their child um, children's other parent is. And it just blows me away that, that you would har- harbor such anger and resentment. And, and give that other person so much control. You know, at some point you have to move on. And to that end, we're often asked, gosh, should I go to therapy? Well, guess what? Thankfully, as we sit here in 2020, therapy is crucial. And it's not only um, not looked upon favorably, you really have to do it. And if medication is needed, take your medication. Again, all of that is what a good parent would do. You take care of yourself yourself Physically, why would you not take care of yourself emotionally?
0: Absolutely. It's a stressful time. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk so often to clients about you don't want to just get the legal divorce. You want to emotionally separate those ties, change that dance, heal those wounds, and be able to engage differently instead of the same reactivity under two separate roofs. And so, right? yeah. And all
1: too often, people don't realize the importance of having a coach. Someone like you is helping them understand how to move forward. Whereas a therapist is trying to look back and figure out how you got here. I tell virtually all my clients that a divorce coach is crucial. Um, A really great analogy that I can take no credit for, a colleague gave me. He said, a therapist will help you unpack and repack your luggage when you're going on a trip several times. A good coach is going to pick up your bag and walk alongside you through the airport and get you on your way. So I really like that analogy and um, it helps clients better understand each role.
0: I actually have never heard that and I love that and that's very well put. Right? So... When when you're making these decisions, if I understand, there's actually two different, well, there may be more, but if I were to break it down, you have the the parent's schedule, and then you have the decision-making. Is that a fair breakdown of the categories? That is, in
1: Illinois, that's the two things that we're solving for, yes. Okay.
0: And so you talk to the parents, you get a, a sense of them, you give them the time that they need, and then... When do the children come in? What advice would you give our listeners on how to introduce somebody like you?
1: So I typically meet with the children after, you know, all efforts have been exhausted. And I try to do that in their home setting, depending on their age. Sometimes it's a cool thing to go to a lawyer's office, but rarely. You know, I've had kids who like my big fancy downtown office and want to look out the window because they don't have the opportunity. (laughs) um that might be fun you know most often i like to meet them in a park or someplace that's most comfortable to them a teenager maybe in their bedroom as awkward as that can be you know uh, in the basement in the playroom um again wherever they're going to feel most safe and um what makes them feel most safe is knowing it's private right so if i go to their house. I have everyone leave the house because I don't want to go in their bedroom and close the door. That's not comfortable for anyone. So, you know, again, a a good GAL is going to be thoughtful as to where the child's most likely to talk the most. And then I usually tell parents, again, depending upon the age of the children, to tell the kids, this is somebody who's helping mom and dad figure out what makes sense for you and us. Um, I don't, I often... Um, encourage them to not use the lawyer word because again sometimes that can even empower kids which is dangerous as you know mm-hmm. teenage kids try to have me advocate for you know <laughs> later curfews or whatever so um, yeah while you're on I the clock could just throw it. <laughs> i'm sorry exactly yeah so i uh i think it's important to just make it as uh, benign as possible as to the role. And then um, again, a good GAL is going to be able to reach the child where they are and try to understand developmentally what they're able to do and talk through. And, uh, you know, gosh, I've had appointments as a GAL for six, seven years. I've literally watched children grow up as awful as that sounds. These super high conflict families, that's, that's needed. So Really depends, but I think asking the children to tell the truth. I'll give you an anecdotal um, story about a child who. This is kind of this is actually more common than you might think. And again, listeners, please take note of what I'm about to say. I had a little seven year old client who I was meeting on Zoom because mom felt it was super urgent. And um, as I'm meeting with them, we're we're having fun. He's showing me around his room, showing me his toys, and and then I said, "So why do you think I'm here?" And he sat for probably between ten and fifteen minutes and told me all the things I needed to know. What you know? If everybody just pauses and thinks, what child of that age would possibly have an agenda for anything, right? Mm-hmm. It was clear that this child was coached by mom. He needed to tell me what I needed to hear. And, you know, after I listened to him and asked, you know, five questions and please know a good GAL is never going to ask a child where he or she wants to live. We're never going to ask them if mom's good or dad's bad or anything like that. But just asking questions to try to understand the quote story that we're we're supposed to hear. It was abundantly clear that he was he was mom's mouthpiece and it broke my heart. But it was counter to what mom wanted it to be, and uh I was able to see through it. So I was able to talk to mom offline, not shame her, not embarrass or humiliate her, but help her see just how dangerous that is and to kind of change that behavior immediately in order to not have this go another way and and work against her completely.
0: Yeah. So, so the moral of that story is you don't want to coach. You don't want to interfere. You want to trust that the jail knows what they're doing. And the other thing you said earlier about privacy, I was wondering if you could speak to that because I, I know that tendency to to grill your child about what they're going to say or what happened afterwards so can you just speak to that as well
1: yeah so um yeah it's important then not to debrief with your child to such such an extent that they're feeling enormous pressure because again we're always a good GL is always going to circle back and understand what's going on at home so Anytime that you're grilling a child or, or oversharing, uh, we're gonna figure that out. Again, most children don't have any interest in their parents' debate. If they do, we know that something has happened. That's not healthy. Especially during these times in 2020 of the pandemic. Like we're all in survival mode here. So if I see a child aligning one way, um that just doesn't quite feel right, it's probably because they've been coached too much. Mm-hmm. So really be super careful. We're going to figure, we're going to get to the truth. Um, uh, don't feel so desperate that you need to do that because that will work against you.
0: Now, I have a question for you. Um, there's there's the situations where, um, where the child is... Um, Afraid to be honest, because of perhaps the high-conflict parent. Um, my my son going through the process literally took the fifth with everybody he spoke to because yeah. um, he was told that something terrible would happen to his his dad if he didn't. Um, how do you how do you tease that out? Like how do you, um, especially as an attorney, as opposed to the mental health expert, the custody evaluator, like, how does that, how does, how do you work through that in your position?
1: Well, again, um, you, you ask questions that get around, um, you don't ask the direct question as an example there, I would be trying to understand what is favorite thing to do at dad's house and mom's house, again, depending on their age, um, trying to understand what it feels like when you're at dinner with mom versus dad, you know, again, you're, you're dancing all around it to try to get a sense and um, starting big picture and then narrowing down your questions to um, is there anything that's kind of scary about this and you know uh, and we do extensive trainings um, and most jurisdictions require ongoing monthly trainings to to be your very best at this because this is an acquired skill and a sophisticated gal knows uh, how to have a vet for that or custody evaluator how to determine when a child is feeling that vulnerability.
0: Right. And, and our next uh, guest in the next show is a custody evaluator. Can you just speak to um, what the difference is between what you do and what a custody evaluator does and, and if you work with them, um, what that looks like?
1: So a custody evaluator is always a mental health person, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, sometimes a social worker. And they are looking at what's in the child's best interest through the psychological lens, whereas a GAL or child's rep is looking at it through the legal lens. Very often the two are aligned and sometimes they are not. Again, in some practice in some jurisdictions is for the two to talk. Sometimes it is not. So uh, a custody evaluator may move a GAL to look at it differently. Uh, rarely does it go the other way but it might and remember a gal is subject to cross-exam- cross-examination and deposition same with a custody evaluator so very often you're asked uh, in those situations some questions that would ask you or you know put you on the spot to determine if the facts look like this would your opinion be different and you may have to testify that it would be so, uh, again, you always, a good GAL is going to go into this with an open mind that we don't know all the answers any more than anyone else. But again, wisely, if you're wise, you will listen to the mental health person and, and vice versa so that you can narrow all the possible outcomes for the family and help them determine ultimately what is in the children's best interest.
0: Perfect. Thank you. So, as we begin to wrap up are there any points I haven't asked about that you really want to get across to our listeners
1: I think the primary points would be preparation 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 no matter whether it's a custody evaluation or a, a GAL investigation um being prepared is never going to hurt you I think uh, you're less likely to, to, to speak off the cuff and uh, go down any rabbit holes that might not benefit you ultimately. So try to have notes in front of you. Again, this isn't a test or a quiz. It's meant to be um, human to human, you know, in the perfect world in person, you're looking eye to eye or on Zoom, you are, um, are making your case. So it's not like I'm asking anyone not to advocate for themselves. You can and you should and you must. But do it calmly and methodically, and um, always, always listen to your counsel, your lawyer, rather and your coach, rather than your family and friends who are looking at it through their own lenses and, as you point out, through their own experiences. Be super careful. You know, you have to listen to them. I'm not suggesting you don't, but that you wait to the advice that they're giving accordingly.
0: Absolutely, and and I just want to. Uh, second that piece about notes, especially if you're anxious, if you feel like you you have lost yourself in your marriage and you're just really anxiety ridden going through it, you're going to forget. You're going to forget so much. I always tell my clients, have your points, have them in front of you. There's nothing wrong with that. You're organized. It's a good sign. And that way you can make sure that the opportunity you have before you to speak to that professional that you can get through everything that you need um, to speak about Yes so this has been so helpful uh, I, I really I think that there's so much valuable information Beth that you shared that's gonna allow our listeners to prepare for this situation if they um, if if they're going to be dealing with a, a, an attorney for the children or a legal representative for the children. How can our listeners reach you if they want to um, if they want to reach out?
1: So I am an attorney in Chicago. We have offices in our suburbs as well. And our my law firm is Beerman, B-E-R-M-A-N-N, two E's and two N's, Beerman Law. And it's beermanlaw.com my I'm assuming you have show notes with my email address and phone number yes I do give out my cell phone people think that's crazy well I can screen like everybody else so I gladly give it out I always have and it's certainly been a benefit in these COVID times Um, accessibility to a lawyer is key people are very vulnerable right now and I try to be mindful of that
0: Absolutely. Great. So you can find all of uh, Beth's contact information in the show notes. And uh, our next episode is going to be uh, speaking to a custody evaluator from New York City. So stay tuned for that. Beth, thank you so much for your time. This has been wonderful.
1: Karen, my pleasure. It's always great to chat with you.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon. group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.